falls apart. And Brad kicked off the series, and if you didn't get a chance to listen to Brad's sermon, it was phenomenal. It was one of the best sermons I've heard on marriage, and I would encourage you to go and listen to it. But the lie that really Brad kind of targeted last week was the happily ever after lie that uh, we so easily, um, you know, buy, buy into. But one of the things Brad did is he showed a, f- a photo from his wedding. And um, I'm not going to show you a photo from my wedding because I look a lot better than Brad in it. And I didn't want him to feel bad. Um, but there's, like, no one's laughing. Like, Brad's way better looking than you. So um, <clears throat> it's fine. Um, I did come across a wedding photo, though, that I did want to show you. This is real. Um, and you can't, it's cut off, but it says, I wonder how this marriage turned out. Um, <laughs> I, I would guess that's his mom, and she's not super thrilled about losing him. But I, I don't think that's for real. I feel like the gal, like they photoshopped her, but I don't know. I, I just, I, I randomly came across that photo. I got to show that because that's kind of funny. But, um, you know, in my time as a pastor, I honestly don't think I've given a sermon on the topic that I want to speak on this morning. Um, And I think that says something. I think it's actually kind of sad. But it it sort of proves the point or the lie that I want to look at. Um, But that topic is singleness. I don't, I can't remember in my, I would guess I've given over 500 maybe sermons at this point. Uh, I don't know if I've ever given a sermon on singleness. And um, the lie that I want to look at together today is that you, like, to have a happy life, you have to find somebody. Like, you've got to get married. Marriage is sort of that, like, that key to happiness and fulfillment. And I want to be careful here because, like, look, the Bible is not anti-marriage. It's not anti-singleness. The Bible is very pro-marriage, and the Bible is very pro-singleness. But culturally, we... We've sort of, I think, said marriage is the ideal, it's the norm, and singleness is, is abnormal, it's, it's not the norm, it's, it's second best. And here's why I think it's important to give a message to a church that has a lot of married people on singleness, is that it's like, as we grow, like there are single people here that attend this church now, and as we grow, that will be a demographic that continues to grow. And it's not okay if we treat people within the church as second best. It's easy to look around and judge one another, to characterize one another, to come to conclusions or wonder like, why, why aren't you married yet? Now, I don't know about you, but when I hit 30, man, I started to feel the pressure that I wasn't married. And I'm like, what is that? What, like, we have been told, and it's put a pressure on people that you got to get it, you got to get married, it's the fix, like, it's the answer, and if, if, if you don't, something's wrong. And the reason that a bunch of married people in this room, like, we need to hear it, is that the church is a collection of people diverse in their experiences of life, seasons of life. And we need to support, welcome, and love people who are in different seasons, particularly seasons of singleness. So there was a moment, I think, where 
things just were ruined for the vast majority of us. And it was this moment. I can actually show it to you. Go ahead and play it. You complete me. I'm sorry, Jerry Maguire, I can't do it. Um, <laughs> but this is like a classic moment. And then I think she says, you had me at hello. You know, it's just like, oh. And... But the idea is that, you know, there is, like, that you've completed me. Finally, the space in my mind, my heart, my soul has finally been completed because I found that one person, which is another lie that I maybe will talk about another day. But I found that one person that is just meets that and fits all of those needs and, and fills that hole. Like, I am incomplete until I get that thing. If that's true, then single people are incomplete. And um, it's interesting, as I was just, like, look, studying singleness and this sort of thing, like, um, this is not a, a, a new view, like a new sort of negative view of singleness, um, the Oscar Wilde, the, listen to this quote, that he, he summed it up this way. Celibacy is the only known sexual perversion. Re okay. Um, obviously not into singleness, um, which isn't true, by the way, he's wrong. Um, but let's go back even further. Uh, in the first century, this is first century, this is like Jesus time. There was a rabbi named Eleazar, who said, any man who has no wife is no proper man. You know, these are things that are shaping culture, okay? Like the influence of people, like, that have authority, whether it's an author or a rabbi, movies, Hollywood, it shapes culture. It shapes us. Listen to this. The Talmud, which the Talmud is not the Bible, but the Talmud is a collection of of Jewish teachings, rabbinical teachings, like interpretations of the Bible. Um, so it's like a big deal. It was a big, you know, a big deal for Jewish uh, people and would have shaped early views of, you know, Judaism and, and Christianity. But the Talmud went further than this rabbi and said, the man who is not married at 20 is living in sin. So think about that. This is like, Jesus' time, the man who is not married by 20 is living in sin. For generations, we've sort of shaped the conversation around singleness as, as bad. And um, yet the Bible uh, is super positive on singleness. It's actually amazing that given some of... Uh, you know, what, what some of these rabbis, the Talmud was saying, it's amazing how, and astonishing how positive the New Testament is about singleness. But the way that it's talked about is as a gift. And I know that rubs people, because I remember being single and hearing pastors, like, talk about singleness as a gift. And I go, dude, don't even go there. Like, it's not. I want to be with somebody, and I don't, you know, I don't see this as a, a gift. But let me, let's just talk about it for a moment and try to understand what Paul 
uh, is saying here. First of all, before we get to Paul, let's look at Jesus. Who's the most famous single person of all time? Jesus. Didn't get married. And, you know, for those, like, that right there is, in my mind, the, the best argument for why, uh, you know, signal, like, singleness is good. We are called to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. So if you're walking in the footsteps of Jesus as a single man or woman, like, that's good. If you're walking in the footsteps of Jesus as a married man or woman, that's good too. But there is no better, there is no second best. Paul uh, was single, but I do want to talk about that because I, I think it's, I think uh, we just maybe assume that Paul was always single, but at his writing he was single. It's almost, it's almost guaranteed that at one point Paul was married. Because Jewish men got married. Look at what they were hearing from their rabbis. Look at what the Talmud was saying. There is high, 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 I mean, I can't say 100%, but high probability that at one point Paul was married. So what happened? Well, there's speculation. But one of, one of the things that I find really interesting, so maybe his wife passed away, but uh, that very well could have happened. But um, one of the things I, I was reading, and I find this really interesting, uh, you know, when Paul became a Christian, remember, Paul was like a big deal. He, he had risen in ranks uh, within, within Judaism. Like, he was a high-ranking religious figure, and, uh, which almost certainly means he was married. But when he's on the road to Damascus, and he stands before Jesus, everything changes for him. He becomes a completely different person, and he, he in essence, converts to a follower of Jesus. Now, he's still a Jew, but he's a different, he's a Jewish follower of Jesus. And it meant that things changed for him and he started to live differently. And what I read is it, there's a chance that his wife was so embarrassed, like so taken back, so embarrassed, so disgraced by Paul's choice to follow Jesus that she left and divorced him. So there, there's certainly that chance. And there is a small chance that he never was married, but I find, I personally, and I'm not saying this as like, a, like the pastor, I'm saying this just as me, Aaron, my opinion on the matter. I would guess that he was married. So let me just read this text. This is in 1 Corinthians, and it's this text about marriage and singleness, and um, he gets, he's talking about marriage, and he throws in singleness, he goes back to marriage, and then he talks a little bit more about singleness and why it's better to be, why it's better in his opinion to be single. But I want to read for you 1 Corinthians Throw it up there because I don't, this is 7, uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 7 39. He goes, I wish that all of you were as I am, meaning I wish you were all single. I always thought, like, Paul, you're so, dude, maybe you just can't get a date. I mean, like, <laughs> relax. You're so, it's just, but each of you has your own gift from God, and one has this gift, which means uh, singleness. One, some have the gift of singleness, another has that, the gift of marriage. Now, to the unmarried, and to the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. These are like texts you just don't preach on. <laughs> but it's, we do here. So it, it's, in my, I read it, I go, this is just awkward. Like, 
dude, um, that's kind of a hit on married people. Like we're just these raging, emotionally needy beasts that can only be, you know, have to be fed a relationship and we're looked down on. But um, let's just pull back for a second and what Paul is saying to a church of people who are married and single is he wants the single people to know, look, it is good. In fact, it's a gift. And he's not saying that some people are like gifted uh, the ability to be single. It's a state of affair. He's saying that this season, however long it is in your life, it's not that uh, is a gift. For, like that, sing, that season of singleness, you should look at as a gift. It's not that some, and you could push back on me on this, and it's fine if you do, but I don't think he's saying like some are like just given the supernatural ability to just be single or say, stay single um, but rather, what if we had a different perspective on seasons of life? And that season of singleness, uh, Paul's saying, what if we looked at it as, as, as a gift from God? Not like I'm missing out. Or I'm getting second best. Because I don't have a wife, or I don't have a husband, or I don't have a significant other, or I don't have kids. Like, the lie is like, man, if I can just get that then I'm happy. And I would bring, I bet you if I brought up 10 married couples up here and I said, did that, was that it? Did it fill you? Like, did you, you completed me? Like, I, I'm fine. I was finally happy. I've never, you know, it's, they would, I'm guessing 10 out of 10 would say it wasn't the answer. It wasn't the fix. And Paul goes on into the teaching. I didn't put the text up there, but in essence, he says like, look, the reality is, and he says it in an edgy way, which Paul's just like edgy about this topic. He's not afraid to sort of talk about it in aggressive terms, but he's like, look, singleness affords you things that, that uh, married people can't do. In fact, he kind of says marriage complicates things because your decision-making goes between two people now. Raising kids is great, but like you give a lot of yourself for those kids. Um, you know, you've got to manage finances together. You've got to, you know, make big decisions. You've got to figure out how we're going to parent. You've got to figure out what you believe, believe and how does that fit. You know, there's just, in essence, Paul is saying, like, look, when you bring another person into the mix, it doesn't make it easier. It makes it more difficult. And that's not to say don't get married, okay? It's just a reality. And I think the married people here would agree. And look, you learn a ton from the because of that, you learn a ton in marriage. You learn a ton about grace, forgiveness, selfishness and sacrifice and sin and all that. Like, you know, there is a, a work that God does through marriage in that difficulty that's refining for us. But he can do the same refining work in a single person. You don't need another person to experience and fulfill the will of God in your life. This is what, like, Paul is, is, is trying to say to this church. And I don't know if they were being mistreated or what, but if you look over time, just the way in which we have viewed singleness is that it is second best, that it's, it's you're missing out, that something maybe 
you know, is, is wrong with you. Marriage is good, but so is singleness. We need to learn as Christians and as followers of Jesus to receive the season of life that we find ourselves in. It's so, I mean, is it not easy to just like think, uh, man, if I could just get there, you know? Like I even this morning, um, someone was asking me, hey, you know, I still want to get together. We haven't found a time to get together. And I know, I know you're really busy and, you know, you got stuff going on with the building and moving in and, and this and that. I go, yeah, yeah, you're right. And I go, you know what, though? A couple weeks will be in the building and things will just settle down. And as soon as I said that, I go, it's a blatant lie. <laughs> but I believe that, you know, like just once we get there. I mean, I, here's the thing. I go, man, once we can get through COVID, we got to get just, oh, it's just terrible two years. We, let's just get through it. And once we get through it, the world is just going to be such a better place. No, it's not. <laughs> you know, or then, then it was like, okay, once we get in the building, just and it will be a better world. I, I hate, I mean, I, like, it will be better in a lot of ways, but it's not going to be the end-all, fix-all. Or then I go, man, I, oh, this summer, I will, will be in the building, I'll have graduated. Oh, my life, it's going to be complete and wonderful and good. There will just be something else will replace. Something else will, will create the stress. Something else will create, you know, the problems. But we buy into this way of thinking that if I can just get there or get this or get to this next season, that then things will get a lot better. And the problem is when we're thinking so like that, we miss out on what God may have for us right now. And this is what I want to say to the single people watching or in this room is like, God has something for you now. God has gifted you this season. I don't know, look, I get it. I know you might not feel like it's a gift. It might feel like it's torture. But uh, try to, to recognize that God's giving you this season. And it's a gift. And there's purpose. There's, there's, there's opportunity in it. And instead of maybe fighting your brain all the time of hoping and wanting and wishing and dreaming of what could be, to step back and just embrace what is. When I was single, the verse I clung to the most was Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. And it's really been my life verse uh, when it comes to all the, the things that I struggle with or I pursue or I think will fix things. It's like, you know... The, the building ain't going to, you know, seek the building first and everything will be better. Not true. Seek graduation first and you'll finally be happy. Not true. Seek marriage first and once you get that person, your life's going to be amazing. Not true. Doesn't say that. Seek, you know, seek the right job, the better job, the promotion, the bigger paycheck, and then you'll be, you know, you'll be happy. No, it goes seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And Brad talked about this last week. It was funny that he brought it up because I'm like, man, that is the verse I clung to the most in singleness. Like, God knows my heart. He knows what my desires. Like, he created me. He knows me better than anybody. And he knows I want to, you can tell him, tell him. 
I want to be married. It's not going to come as a shock to him. It's really hard. It's really hard. But I, uh, I want to seek you first. And this is hard, but I'm going to seek God first. And I'm going to believe that he's going to give me the things that I need. For so long, I just sought after all the other stuff. And it's a rat race. Uh, you're, you're on a, a hamster wheel. You're not going very many places. God's like, man, if you're willing to live differently and seek me first, I've got a plan. And um, it might play out a lot different than you ever imagined. But they're, they're, you're going to experience my presence, my peace, my purpose in your life. You're going to experience happiness. You'll experience sadness too. But I'll be there when, it's, when you're sad. I'll be there when you're broken. So seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And Brad said last week, he's like, man, if you do that in your marriage, it's going gonna, it's gonna to like dramatically positively affect your marriage. And I'd say the same thing for singleness. But for us as a church, let's welcome the widow and the orphan. Let's welcome the single person. Let's welcome the married person. Let's welcome the divorced person. The church is meant to be a collection of people that recognize my mom's saying, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Let's welcome single people and not look at them or treat them any different. And single people, there is a place for you here in this church. And we stand beside you because at the end of the day, this is a family. And we're a family. Um, as the band comes up, Let's just, let's stand together and let's just reflect on, um, just the goodness of where God has us today. It's so easy to sort of ponder and focus on like the negative things and the things we don't have. And you can go right back to that if that's kind of your jam right after you leave. But right now, <laughs> right now. Let's, uh, what if we all just said, let's focus on the good of where I am today. The things I'm thankful for. The things that God has given me. The things that God has blessed me with. And even some of the hard things. You can say, God, thank you that you're doing a work through the hard things in my life. Because it's making me stronger. It's refining me. It's making me more like you. So just as we worship and we sing in this, these next two songs, I just invite you to reflect on the good and where God has you and, and to say, thank you, God. I want to praise you and bless you and be thankful for where I am. And for a moment, I'm going to step back from where I sh think I should be and just acknowledge, God, you have me here.